Yep, that's us. That's just a taste of what you're in for. You're listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast miniseries, Drunken Marketing. We're here to drink some wine and share ridiculously hilarious and real marketing experiences with you. We're all part of a B2B marketing team and work together at our nine to five. Sometimes working in marketing can be funny, annoying, or just straight up weird. Our team is going to give you a behind the scenes look at marketing while sharing hilarious stories and situations that we found ourselves in. Let's be real. Some of these stories may not have been funny at the time, but in hindsight, they make us laugh and we've grown to become better marketers because of them. So grab a glass of wine and join us as we tell you the lessons we've learned the hard and funny way. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Drunken Marketing. This is where we share some marketing insights, tips, and tricks with you while drinking some wine, of course. We have to have the drunken part included somewhere. So today we wanted to talk about creative sponsorships because in an era where things are virtual and we're hopefully looking at going back to in-person here soon, it's time to get creative with your sponsorships. So we want to go beyond swag. We've talked about swag before. People want to engage with your brand and not leave an event or an experience with just a stress ball that they might just throw in the trash. So in today's episode, we want to talk about how to have fun at your next event, whether it's virtual or not, and share creative ways to attract and engage attendees. We've compiled a list of the best and brightest sponsorship ideas that we've either seen, heard of, or dreamed up ourselves. Before we dive in, there's a couple things we wanted to hit on. If you are looking for creative ways to engage event sponsors, you're going to want to listen up. Tip number one, select quality swag products. I know that we're not talking just about swag today, but this is important. If you're going to have swag in an event, please do not pick the crappy swag. The first thing it does is end up in the garbage. And I'll add on to that. Don't plaster your swag with logos. People don't want a coffee mug with your logo on it. It's just, it's not going to be used. It's going to end up in the trash, just like we said. And I'm going to piggyback on that. And let's just think even past swag, right? So let's try to think about maybe experiences instead. And I think that's kind of what the rest of this episode is about, is how to bring those experiences to life. So if you are going to go with experiences, maybe think about how to bring your core business of your sponsorship to life and highlight those attributes because they are unique and they want them shown. And be sure to ask your sponsors what their goals are. This will help determine what you do and what they do. Make sure that any experiences you come up with are related to what they do or some of the learning objectives of the event. I have a question for you guys before we go a little bit further. So have you ever been in a situation where you're reading the sponsorship opportunities for an event and you're kind of like, "Mm, I don't really know if this is for me. These all kind of sound boring. A hundred percent. I think boring is the perfect word, Katie. When you read something through and you're like, "Mm, that's not useful to me. That's not exciting. Anything for you. My favorite part is when someone sends you this sponsor, what is it, a prospectus, as they like to call it, and it's 30 pages long of a PDF. Sounds so formal. It's like prospectus. Right? And literally every single opportunity is the same. It'll be like logo, logo in email. Include your swag in the swag bag. This is like basic bitch sponsorships. It's just... Basically. (laughs) Maybe we should rename this episode. What is putting your swag in... 
that bag really going to do? I feel like that should just be like, AKA put your swag directly into a garbage bag. Because the first thing that happens if I'm a person that gets that bag is I might bring it home. If I have a flight, I don't really know if I'm going to bring it home, but if it does make it into my car, it probably stays in my car and then sits in the corner of my office until I'm on the cleaning kick and I'm donating stuff to Salvation Army. Unless there's good stuff in it, right? Unless it's like they ponied up for the good swag. So first you'll rifle through it and literally either throw away or recycle all of the paper material because there's no way I'm reading that. And then if it's an actual product or something I can eat or drink or put on my face, I'll probably keep that. Put on your face. You know, like a mask, a hair mask. I don't know. Or, tra- or chapstick. Like chapstick? Ooh, big yeah. in the chapstick. So it's actually really funny because, Sarah, I was going to say the exact same thing where I'm like, I feel like our event, we had a good swag bag. And I also think it depends on your audience because our audience for our event is very niche and very specific. Therefore, the audience is not super large. So we can pony up and get some better swag and get some better items. And I think the audience that attends, they do always go through the bags and we get a lot of really positive feedback on our swag items. So I do think it matters. But I think if you're trying to broad reach an entire event audience of a couple thousand people, there's no way you can have swag that is that relevant to that many people all at the same time. I think it gets a little bit harder the bigger your audience gets as well. I think where I was going with that and why I was asking you guys is something that I learned in my experience is that you can ask for other opportunities. The worst thing that's going to happen to you is that someone will say no and then you move on with your day and they move on with their day. There's someone specifically in the industry that I work with that they just ask and they typically get what they want. I've always wondered how they do it. They end up with special treatment somehow. Is that If you don't ask, you'll never get it. So this group that I'm guessing they ask to sponsor something for us, right? No, like a competitor. Oh, wait a minute. But yet they continue to sponsor at this event, right? Because they ask about it and then they continue to sponsor. Yeah, they're always doing something different. So the umbrella organization or the event that we're attending, they send out a list of sponsorship opportunities to sign up for. And that's this basic list of things like you can sponsor a happy hour, you can sponsor coffee hour, you can put your swag in the swag bag or whatever, and they'll include your logo on the collateral. But then this other company is always doing something different. And like, oh, how'd you do that? Oh, we asked. Which, and if you think about it, if you're going to ask because you want to give them money, yeah, ask what they specifically want to do. And they're going to continue to give you money year after year if they're getting something more out of it than from your basic bitch list. (laughs) They might actually get a better sponsorship price because you're asking for more and you're asking for something outside of the traditional Mm -hmm. sponsorship opportunity. You might not mind paying more for your sponsorship if you deem it to be a more valuable sponsorship, right? If you're getting to do activities that are actually going to bring in leads for you, you're probably going to be willing to pay more for that versus just slapping a logo on something that's going to go in the garbage. I think that dives us right into some of these examples. Are you guys good to dive in? Yeah. Okay. I actually had one last thing that I wanted to add because Sarah, when you were talking about the logos, my favorite, aka least favorite sponsorship item that I see on prospectus lists is large logo on main banner for maximum visibility. I'm like, excuse me, 
This is the Our, most useless thing I've ever seen. <laughs> why is this a top item for you? Why are you treating this as the greatest thing ever? It's not. So last year we went virtual for our event and in the app, you could highlight larger sponsors with a larger logo or a larger banner. And I was like, what does it matter? In the end, everyone's getting the logo in the app. Who cares what size your logo is? It feels like a weird... It's an ego thing. It is a weird ego thing. Oh, we got the big logo. I'm like, okay, did that really help you get more leads? Mine's bigger than yours. (laughs) I was just going to say, I wonder if this is a male marketer thing where like, they're like, yes, need to have the biggest logo. That strikes me as a guy thing. I could be totally wrong. And that might be inappropriate for me to say, but... It seems I don't like it. I was kind of on the same thought as you. It's pretty <laughs> petty, but I could see that as the reason. Well, with that then, so let's dive into some examples. So a lot of these examples are actually from the event we went to last year, Create and Cultivate. Can't believe it's been over a year, guys, since we've been there. How nuts is that? Oh my that was the last event we've all been at. I think that was the last event just in, in general. I think so. I can't imagine that we all saw each other in person. We've around so many people in like a gathering and that is just so mind boggling to me. Unreal. But they did have a lot of really cool sponsorship things. And I know that this is going to be in-person sponsorship ideas. So maybe stash these away for, you know, when in-person events start to take off again. I know people are getting the vaccine and, you know, the hope is that in the future we're going to be able to go in person again. Also, we've talked a lot about these different events in the past in a couple of episodes, but I think that just reiterates how awesome we thought they were, that we keep bringing it up. It's been over a year now, and we still want to talk about it and bring them up because it made such an impression on us. It was outside of the traditional expo hall that we usually go to as B2B marketers because this was a B2C event. And we took a lot of those ideas and tried to implement them or just keep them in the back of our mind to bring into our B2B market because it, it could work there. It definitely could. Is B2C like, more fun? Must be. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it probably is a little bit, but I that's not to say that B2B can't be fun, right? I mean, like Paige said, a lot of these elements can be pulled into, you know, B2B scenarios and trade shows. If you, if you can take little like nuggets of information or ideas and kind of rework them a little bit to be, relevant for you you said nugget and it made me want a chicken nugget oh my gosh guys we got chicken nuggets last night this is actually really funny so matt and i were driving around and we actually took the dogs to the park and on our way back matt was like oh let's get some chicken nugs and i was like i'm gonna make dinner when we get home he's like no 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 let's go get some chicken nugs and i was like all right so we go get some nugs and matt thought it was really funny that (laughs) So we were going to get like a six pack and share it, like three nugs each and then go home and make dinner. Three chicken nuggets. That's small. Yeah. And I think that's, isn't like four the least amount you can get? They have a six pack. So we were going to get that in split. But, so I like, know, but I just meant like the individual amount is. Yeah, four. I think four is the smallest amount you can get. But the largest amount you can get is 20. And I know this because Olivia and I stopped in Troy one time on our way home. And Olivia and I shared a box of 20 nuggets together because I had 
Olivia yeah, is my Charlotte's dog. dog. <laughs> She's my corgi. And I hadn't eaten all day. And I realized it was like three in the afternoon and I had forgotten to feed Olivia that day. So she was really hungry. So I was like, well, let's just get a 20 pack of nuggets and split them. So I told Matt that story and he, we were in line and he was like, all right, we're getting a 20 pack and we're going to split it. And I was like, I don't need 20 nuggets. Like I have 10, I don't need 10 nuggets right now. He orders the woman accidentally gives us like or, places the order for two 20 packs of chicken nuggets. <sighs> we had 40 chicken nuggets in our car last night. And we ate not even half. We were just like, there's so many nuggets. That was going to be my question. How many of the 40 nuggets did you eat? (laughs) I think I ate maybe like eight or nine. Matt probably ate like 15. And then Olivia ate the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Olivia sounds like she probably got sick. (laughs) No, no, she's a tank. She doesn't care at all. Like no issue, nothing. Like, demolished this box of nuggets. Well, that's good for you and probably also good for your carpet. Yes. (laughs) 100%. Nuggets are Um, not something I ever crave. Like, Oh, I was craving some nuggets. Mm -hmm. Not McDonald's nuggets, but, like, Chick-fil-A nuggets. Like, I would definitely crave those. Those are good, too. So now that I just took us on a nugget tangent here. (laughs) That was my fault. Sorry. Well, we can swing it back because they did have chicken nuggets at the event, didn't they? They were like not meat, though, right? They did. Did they? <laughs> I don't remember. No, wasn't it with the pizza in the corner that booth? I thought they had. There was not. Oh, they were the cauliflower, oh. the cauliflower oh. nuggets. Those actually were pretty good. I'll give it um, to cauliflower. I think I it was, it was real good. chicken, though. I think the batter on the outside was cauliflower batter. Yeah. I think they're a real chicken, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, the whole so, thing was, like, vegan. The whole event was vegan and stuff. Yeah, I don't think we ate any meat. At Maybe that it was fake, then. Mm. No, and we, but we said that not having meat at your event was okay because then you didn't have to deal with all of the food restrictions and things like that. I don't think there were any nuts, and I don't think there was any meat because basically people that eat meat can eat vegan, so... That's how they. I don't want to eat vegan. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is that you can. Like, a vegan can't eat meat. I was so upset by like the portion sizes, though. I was like, what is this LA? I was like, we loved Create and Cultivate, but I felt like the food, there was a little something lacking. I wanted a little bit more. Because remember, weren't we waiting for them to bring out burgers or chicken? But apparently it wasn't really real burgers or chicken. It we, was the Beyond Burgers Beyond or burger. something. Or Impossible Burgers or something mm-hmm. like that. Whatever. I feel like people were just standing there waiting for them to bring out trays. And as soon as they'd set down a tray, it was gone. Starving, like vultures. We're from the Midwest and we're just like some corn-fed girls. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to attribute it to. But then they had those baskets of snacks. And I literally just wanted to eat all the snacks. But they were made out of, like, rice or something. Like, they had no substance to them. They were, like, veggie fries and chickpea-like snacks. And I literally would eat just bags of them. And I was like, I'm still hungry. I don't know. Okay, they started serving drinks really early in the day. And we didn't really drink like we would normally drink, like, when we do these episodes, right? I think we had a couple of drinks, a couple of wine, whatever, but most other people did. So maybe that's why they assumed people wouldn't be like wanting meals because they were just drinking the rest of the night. And we were like, mm, we need our meals. <laughs> I think I was in that 
both of them though. I drank my calories that day for sure. <laughs> I don't think I was drunk by by any means, but I at least had a few cocktails and a few wines. It was a long day though, I would say. It was we it were there at least 10 day. hours. It was a long day. Poor Katie uh, was pregnant, so Oh yeah, on your feet all day. It's horrible. I don't remember being miserable. I was good. That's good. Yeah. All right. Oh, so well, should we say like note. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, we should probably talk about the swag bags, because like we mentioned before, we do think swag bags can be a really good thing if done well and done properly, meaning you have good items in there. I will say at Create and Cultivate, they had post-event swag bags with full-sized products, like good Mm. skincare products, hair, hair care products, like amazing stuff. Now, granted, it was the audience, right? That made sense for the audience. So you need to think about what types of items could you include in your swag bag that are relevant for your audience that are valuable. People will be like, oh, wow, like I can't believe they gave this to me. And there was a ton of coupon codes for some really great products, great companies. So that was definitely a value add swag bag. But did any of you use the coupon codes? Because those were the paper things I was talking about. And mine, I feel like I pulled some out with good intentions. They either went bad or I lost them by the time. Or I just never used them. Yes. So if, if for B2C, the people are trying to get you to use their product or at least like try their product. So they were actually giving out a sample of their product. And a lot of them gave out like full size products, hoping that you would be a repeat customer. In B2C, I don't know if you can necessarily give a sample of your product, but if you're a hair styling company, are you going to get more people to try your product by giving them a coupon for it or actually putting it in their hand? Mm -hmm. You have to figure out a way that you can deliver a similar experience to your potential customer if you're B2B, which I don't know what that is. That could be a lot of things, but food for thought. That could be in the form of free trials or walking people through your product or finding those opportunities to get really creative and give people reason to engage with you or giving them scenarios. I feel like VR or like virtual reality and augmented reality are going to be huge for this in the future. I don't exactly know how or what yet, but I feel like that's something that I continue to see in LinkedIn articles and things like that. Creating those immersive experiences for experiences that normally you wouldn't be able to give people. Uh, A really good example of how a product was used at the event during a sponsorship was the Not Your Mother's, which I actually am a huge fan of. I used before the event, but now I'm even more of a fan and I've tried more of their products. They did a midday snack that was an ice cream social and they partnered with, I don't remember the name of the ice cream place, but it was a vegan ice cream and they connected the flavors to their new scents for their hair masks. So one of them was charcoal. So they had a charcoal flavored ice cream and then they also gave you the hair product with it. So it was just a really cool connection and then you got free products and free ice cream. So Why could you be upset with that? Yeah, there was like hibiscus ice cream. There was like mango and matcha. It was really cool how they paired it all. That was probably one of my favorite sponsorship items. I mean, I love ice cream, so I'm not going to turn that down. I needed new uh, dry shampoo, and I ended up with Not Your Mother's because they had this amazing smelling toasted coconut one. And I can imagine that would have been a good ice cream flavor at this point. Yeah, that would have been amazing. But yeah, it smells really good. So I feel like their products smell good. 
and they also pair well with ice cream. (laughs) How can you go wrong? Well, Sarah, you always say like how to bring the senses all together. And that's the best way to get someone's reaction as an attendee. And they definitely did this. They checked off all those boxes. Yeah, I feel bad. We've talked about this one a lot, but I think it was literally our favorite one. And it had the most connection. And the only thing I struggle with is B2C does seem a lot more fun when you have a product that's edible or scented or something like that to show off versus like B2B where I'm like, Still trying to figure out how do we translate our product to ice cream pairings. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, figure that out. If someone has an idea, please let me know. <laughs> I mean, I think that we talk about it a lot because, I mean, as a marketer, that wasn't just my favorite sponsorship there. That might be my most favorite creative sponsorship that I've ever seen. I agree. If it wasn't that one, there was definitely a few there that were really close seconds. They did some really cool things. I really liked the Nivea one because they were giving attendees hand massages, which was a really cool experience because you got to use the lotion, obviously. And of course, someone was massaging your hands. I don't know what it is about hand massages, but I absolutely love them. Love them. My chiropractor does it now on the pressure points and it feels so good. All we do is sit on our computers all day. So our hands get crampy because we do that. And then we're on our phones. And my husband does the OMM cracking for my fingers. And oh, it's the best thing ever. (laughs) I liked that one too. And then they also gave some products to leave with. So I think Mm -hmm. they gave you a smaller size of that moisturizer and a lip balm. They gave a full size. It was a big one. I'm pretty sure I still have it somewhere. (laughs) We actually used all of it and bought more. Well, that just proves it worked if you bought another one. Well, and then what LaCroix did is they created a photo opportunity. So they had a photo booth at their booth. So they had the, whatever, you could take a picture there. I think they would take it for you and then you could post it on your social media or like they had one of those types of setups. But I think they created a photo op that would keep on living because they had LaCroix written in like those swirly straws. And what is the point of drinking out of one of those swirly straws unless you're going to take a picture of it, really? I feel like that's what most people were doing. So I think they were hoping that people would take a picture and post it on their own social media. And then that's how they would spread their brand awareness. And I think that they probably invested in that straw knowing that people wouldn't take it home, but that they were okay with that being something that was probably going to get thrown out and then just assume we'll take what we can get, but we know this isn't probably going to be something that's going to live on. Yeah, Yeah. they were using it for a very intentional purpose for social and promotion and visibility. And to your point, that visibility only has a certain you know, lifespan. And it probably wasn't going to extend that much longer after the event. But that really cool hat that they gave out, I wear it all the time. And (laughs) I have gotten lots of compliments on my blue jean LaCroix hat. Same girl, same. That's living on. Can we post a picture of that hat? I have a yeah. nice one of Paige in it. Oh, you do? <laughs> I, feel I, like like we should, I feel like we should do a poll on Instagram and see you if like people that? are like on like team hat or team no hat. Like, like pulling it off. <laughs> yep. Well, the smart thing was that they controlled the photo booth, which meant they controlled the photos. So if you were going to just have someone take a selfie and post it and maybe use a hashtag or tag them, Not everybody does that necessarily, but when it was posted through their photo booth, that was where they had control and Mm -hmm. they actually got to keep the photos and potentially ask people to use them for socials and promotions later. So that was kind of a smart too. Agreed. 
Another really cool thing that they had at the event, which was a VIP only. So that's another thing to think about for your events or creating sponsorship opportunities is, is there a VIP area of your conference or event that, you know, only certain people can get into? And is that an exclusive opportunity for sponsors? They had a beauty bar at Create and Cultivate, where this entire beauty bar, you could get your hair done, you could get your makeup done with professional stylists and stuff, which is pretty high-end. None of us were in the VIP, so that's all right. I will say the location was prime, though, because it was right when you walked in, as you entered the space, it was in that hallway surrounded by other sponsors, so it was always people there. So it, it definitely generated some, you know, buzz. And yeah, we were general admission, unfortunately, but. Were you able to upgrade on the spot? I can't remember if you wanted to be part of VIP. Mm. I think they started opening it up if there was VIP not available, but you had to wait in line mm-hmm. from what I saw. And I just wasn't. Well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't super excited to do it or anything, but I was just wondering if that, because that would be a revenue opportunity as well. And what they did was create FOMO. They didn't hide the VIP area back in some corner behind some red velvet curtain. It was right in the middle so everyone could see what they were missing out on. And then the thing, too, is that they offered photo shoots or headshots for people to do for professional ones because a lot of these people were, you know, self-starters. They were doing their own business, so they don't necessarily get that done for free. And this was a cool way for them to do it and get their hair done and face done, you know, be presentable, look your best, all that. We did that for one of our conferences where we did headshots. And I feel like it went over really well. Like, Sarah, I feel like a lot of people really liked that that opportunity because a lot of these individuals, most companies don't pay for their employees to get headshots, especially if they're smaller companies. So if someone wants to have a nice professional headshot, they have to go do it on their own. But if you can offer it as, you know, an activity or an experience at a conference, people are usually already getting dressed up and, you know, put together anyways. So it's a really good opportunity to to get that. And it can also be a sponsorship item that, that a sponsor pays for. Yeah, I still use my headshot. The only thing I'll say is we just used a photographer So I don't know if there's a fancier way of doing this, but I was the one that had to go through each photo and figure out who who each photo was, which we were smart and they had to hold up their name badge beforehand. But you still had to individually go through the photos, label them and then email them out to each of the people, which on my end was very time consuming. I didn't care to do that again. But if you're looking for a sponsorship or a sponsor follow up item obviously sending the email with the headshots is an opportunity that they could include some promo there two other vip only things that we saw that we didn't get to participate with but it definitely generated some fomo was that they actually had the new volvo car in there and they asked attendees to write their yearly intentions directly on the car so it was a really cool way for people to engage with the vehicle and show it was the start of the year it was in february it was a good time for that And then the other one I wish I could have done, but it felt very much like award show. They had a slow motion 360 photo shoot that you could walk into. And a lot of these women were like dressed to the nines. They were ready to impress. And I was jealous of all their outfits. So this was a cool way for people to enjoy that as well. I don't remember seeing that one. It was next to the kettle one. So you're probably distracted. (laughs) I liked the kettle one. Yeah, I was probably drinking. 
So that's kind of the create and cultivate experience. I know we've talked about it before. We do have a whole episode on it, but this is just a little bit um, of a deep dive into the sponsorship items. Next, we kind of wanted to give a little bit of an overview of some of the sponsorship ideas and things that we've brought to life for our own conference and how we've used that to engage with attendees. The first major one that I feel like is impressive is the subscription box that we did. I guess it, I wouldn't say it's a subscription box because people only got one box and it was a, it was a swag box versus a, it's not repeat. We didn't send multiple boxes to them after the event. But since it wasn't an in-person event and it was virtual, we wanted to give them a way to get their swag bag and also incorporate some of our branding and create a little bit more of that experience that we bring to life in person, even though we couldn't. So we did do a pretty in-depth uh, swag box. Do we have a picture of that on our Instagram? I don't know if we do. No, but I could. I yeah, can add it. Should add that. Well, what I like is I, I work in the subscription box world a lot. So the, the whole thing about that is you get something you're not expecting. It comes right to your door. It's the experience of opening it and kind of discovering new products or whatever it is in there. But we wanted to have that element because we weren't engaging with our attendees in person since it was virtual. And this was just a way to kind of bridge that gap. It was a lot of work. <laughs> so just prepare for that and give yourself at least a couple months to prep for as far as printing, getting the swag assembled, and then shipping it, obviously. There are a lot of companies out there that do this. So depending on your budget, if you can afford it, I would say hire it out as much as possible. Obviously, we get the items printed and put into the box, but I feel like there was still a lot of logistics on our end with getting updated shipping addresses and things like that. And now that we've been virtual for so long, a lot of companies have come out with ways to collect the addresses for attendees. It's probably worth looking into. It can be more of a pain than you expect. As in, I have like 20 plus boxes in my basement that either got returned to me or never sent out. So it's a whole disaster and I need to get them out of my basement. Do you really, Sarah? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Bad. Because the company we went through were pulling up their floor and they needed to get rid of them. And since we're not in the office, they had to go somewhere. So... So I always think it's funny that all of us are like, this is such a great idea. We loved it. And then Sarah's like the person who had to execute in it, execute it. And I was like, yeah, it was a great idea, but it was a pain in the ass. So it's like lessons find a better learned. way. We're getting, we're getting smarter. Yeah. Well, did you also notice the subtle like nod of like, oh yeah, there's now companies that will collect the addresses. So I technically wouldn't have to do that anymore. I'm getting a smarter. We were going to basically do somewhat the similar process for new client contract boxes. And I found a company that will pretty much do it for us. So I almost have to do nothing. And I'm totally on board with that. This is my go. new iteration. <laughs> yep. It's the way to go. Um, going back to our list and some of the items that we want to share. This is one that I actually really, really liked. We did some interviews. We actually hired an industry expert who has a large online presence to video interview some of our, our attendees and guests during sessions and during breaks. We obviously picked somebody who has that ability, right? Who's very outgoing and is very good at that interviewing and driving conversations. And what we ended up doing was taking those interviews and that content and turning it into blog posts and using it as promo content for the next year. It had a cool backdrop with some stools where they were sitting and it kind of drew attention to that area. 
it's a little bit hard to get people to answer questions if you don't have a super outgoing audience. So know that you might have to incentivize a little bit to get people to step into the hot seat and get interviewed. So while that may have been a little bit of effort at the event, that was a part of the content cycle for a really long time, right? That probably made up for a lot of stuff that you guys would have had to do separately. I mean, they created blog posts. You never really know what you're going to get out of interviewing people. We did have to cut the videos a lot to cut them down for the different interviews and things. And some were better than others. But yeah, I mean, it provided a different blog post that we've been able to share throughout. I don't know that it really turned into like a webinar or any other content. So probably depending on the questions you ask, you could get further legs out of it. One of kind of the weirdest ones that I came up with, and I don't know where (laughs) this came from was hiring a live musician to write us a song for the event. So we hired him on Gig Salad or something. (laughs) I don't really know why a website called Gig Salad exists, but we hired a musician. He attended the event and then he pulled key takeaways and lessons learned from the speakers to create us a custom song. And then he played it going into the happy hour kind of as like the ending or closing to our event. And then he also played during the happy hour some of his well actually there probably weren't his original songs but whatever he just played music during the happy I remember when you first were saying that this is going to be the thing because we were doing a camping theme so you're like yeah let's have a campfire song and you know engage with the audience and everything and I was like all right see how it goes and the entire day we were all on the edge of our our seats just waiting for it it was going to be a custom song So we're not really knowing what's going to happen. And it was really good. He did a great job. This was Sarah's brainchild. (laughs) The next one on the list is a coffee bar or happy hour. So you can create your custom menu. Those can be fun drinks with names that have to do with your brand, the industry, sponsorship brands. And you can integrate your sponsors into the name of the drinks. Uh, You can have a lot of fun with this one. Don't miss this opportunity because it's fun and everybody loves getting drinks. Everybody loves going and getting a coffee, especially if you have a barista there and they're making lattes and mochas and Americanos or whatever. So it's a really good way to get some exposure and brand awareness to to you and your sponsors. We also had a, what, what would you say it's called, Sarah? Like a little plastic design? A template. I don't know what to call it. Oh, yeah. it was like a coffee sprinkle template thing. Like, so think of it as like a reverse cookie cutter where you can cover your coffee, your latte with the foam and they sprinkle chocolate over it. To, it's a stencil. That's what it is. It's a stencil to make shapes so that you could put the event logo on top of the drinks or do something fun like that. So that's another option. People want to take pictures of that kind of stuff because it's artsy and it looks cool. Yeah, and most coffee bar sponsorships are literally just a few flavors that you pour yourself. But this is the experience with the barista. You could ask for a custom drink or you could go with the custom menu that we created. I remember a few years ago, we did it where we had a spicy hot chocolate or something was one of the flavors. And it was so good. And I probably had like four of those that day. But (laughs) that was good. I remember that. People loved it. People love coffee. I think the important thing here is 
you can have fun with the food at your event. So if you have a theme, which we've had like a camping theme. So we did the custom trail mix station or each time we do like a drink or coffee menu, we make sure we kind of stick to the theme and create like a mermaid mocha when we did a mystical creatures theme and things like that. So I guess it depends if your audience is fun like that. You might have a hard time if they're curmudgeons, but. (laughs) Curmudgeons. And now we go into, I don't want to say the boring category, but traditional trade shows can get a little bit stale. So how do you liven up your trade show booth and be the one that can really stand out? The other thing is too, because you can spend a lot of money on a trade show booth and have it still not be super cool or engaging. When I go to trade shows, I always kind of chuckle to myself when I see those booths that are like the big 20 by 20s or bigger and they have things hanging from the ceiling and they have a million people there. But the booth is literally just a bunch of podiums with TVs with demo screens on them. Because obviously in B2B, we're in the software world. So everyone's wanting to show demos of their product. And probably like an awkward white leather couch that no one's sitting on. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like how much did you spend for that white leather couch that no one wants to get awkwardly cornered on during your sales pitch? Oh, it's horrible. You can spend a lot of money and create a very non-engaging booth, or you can go with a smaller booth and really turn it into something cool and make it really engaging. What Uh, people really want is a pancake robot. Oh my gosh. We've talked about the pancake robot so many times. You guys won't let me buy it. (laughs) We didn't say no. This one will be someone in the future. We'll have to do like a, a whole breakfast theme. Oh my gosh. What if we did like a breakfast at Tiffany's theme or something like that? Ooh, I love brunch. If there's bacon included, if there's like mimosas, I'm down. <laughs> Paige is like, I want to go to this event. Can the designer come? I'm pregnant. I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> I'm not pregnant and I'm hungry all the time. So I don't know. Paige is <laughs> coming if it's not vegan. Yeah, no. Yeah, I noticed the first thing she said was bacon. She's like, if it has bacon, if it has bacon or sausage, I'll be there. I swear, growing up, every meal has meat. So, like, I've never, there was barely vegetables on my plate when I grew up. So, that's just that Minnesotan life. Meat and potatoes. Oh, yeah. With some, like, deer or some beef. And yeah, I should probably stop. I was going to say, what's next after deer? Is she going to go with, like, squirrel like I couldn't figure out like what kind of abstract food was next anyway anyways well so Um, what I was gonna say is like all these examples that we're gonna share are able to fit in a 10 by 10 foot booth because that's generally what we have so you do have to think about spacing and these are things that you can be able to fit in that small of a area no typically ours is a 10 by 20 for for the, the event where we do a little bit more of an experience but still that's not like the 40 by 40 crazy large ones yeah we're not spending forty thousand dollars on a a booth for one day or two days that's that's probably a good way to put it in perspective is like we're not spending buku bucks on booth is that a word buku buku bucks like isn't that a word Buku. Sure. Yeah. Isn't that French for like more? Buku. Yeah. Like we're not spending a ton of excessive money on our booth. We're we're we run pretty we run pretty lean. Like we we keep a budget and we definitely don't have a huge budget to spend. So we do run lean. 
we've done live screen printing, which was cool. So attendees were able to pick a notebook that they wanted to customize. So we had different colored notebooks and we had different designs. And then they got to watch the live screen printing happen at the booth. And then they got to walk away with their item, their custom item that they got to design. So that was a pretty cool one. There was definitely a line. And like we always say, when other vendors at the event get in line for your item, you know it's good. And there was definitely a lot of vendors asking for for our swag. You also want a full booth. You want to do something that creates a lot of engagement and people will wait in line for it because an empty booth is a sad booth. And no one wants to go to an empty booth because they're afraid you'll talk to them. We always have like swag swipers, I feel like, where they wander around the outside and try to like grab something when they think someone's not looking or going to talk to them. But if you have an empty booth, it's really awkward. Like you don't want to go walk into an empty booth because you know someone's going to come on you in like five seconds and be like, ooh. You're going to make that eye contact and you're not going to be able to look away. I feel uh, like Sarah needs to trademark the term swag swiper. <laughs> <laughs> no swag swiper no swiping but really guys like well, do. sometimes you would turn over and you'd be like wait where did all the socks go and you're like i thought we just refilled those or i don't know something weird anyways we had to have a talk with some of the people attending conferences feel like you can't just throw things at people i remember one time it was so busy and we had a large group near us and the whole idea was that you talk to them they get swag it's like one for one. But sometimes people are like just throwing socks across a group of people and walking away. That was a wasted opportunity. And please stop that. We only have so much swag to give out. So And swag costs money. Yeah. It, it, it has a cost associated with it. You can't just give it away. One of my favorites, ooh, I really liked this event. We had a smoothie bar. So we actually did an entire tropical theme and had a smoothie bar with decor and like these really cool little tiki cups. I think there were some coconut ones, some flamingo cups, pineapples, just some really cool things. So we wanted to be able to build excitement as attendees walk around the expo. Because if you see somebody walking around with a bright pink giant flamingo cup in their hand, drinking out of like a sippy straw, you're going to be like, where did you get that? Because I want one of those. And sure enough, like people come to the booth and people get in line and it creates that full booth experience where people are like, whoa, what's going on over here? I have to go over to that booth and I need to see what's happening. And it creates a little bit of that FOMO. Another cool one with smoothies that we have seen in the past, we didn't do this ourselves, but they had attendees actually pedal on a bicycle to blend the smoothie. So they had to actually engage with it and work out essentially in order to get there, quote unquote experience. So that was kind of a cool. I remember it three years later. So that is cool. But I don't know if I like to work that hard for my smoothie. <laughs> that's the person who is killing it on the Peloton. Yeah, but that's like a workout. This is like, I just want my smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> I want my nugs. I want my, I want my nugs. All the nugs. So oh I God. see Build-A-Bear workshop on this. I must not have been at that event. What can someone tell me about the Build-A-Bear one? Is Build-A-Bear, like, created in St. Louis or something? Does anyone know? I thought it was Geico that did it. Mm-mm. They did 3D printing, and they had the crazy Geico le- leopard. Leopard. Lizard. Gecko? Leopard. Lizard. I don't know. A gecko lizard. Okay. Anyway. 
I think in St. Louis, they always do this Build-A-Bear workshop where literally people will stand in line snaking through the trade show booth and you can build a bear at their booth. I don't know the exact connection between Build-A-Bear and St. Louis. Is it founded? They were founded and headquartered in St. Louis. So yeah, that must be right. But it's by far the most popular. Oh yeah. Well, because everybody wants to bring something home for their kids. Yeah. I mean, those things are expensive. You could spend 50 bucks on a -A Build-A-Bear. I've seen it the last five years, and I don't think they've ever changed because it's that popular that they don't have to. So, like, isn't the point of building the bear the kid builds it and they decide all their stuff? So it's like the parent doesn't, they just bring home a bear as, like, a regular stuffed animal bear. That's true. your kid's excited to get something, aren't they? I looked up Build-A-Bear just now, and they have all sorts of different things now. They have different types of creatures and animals, and it's not just bears. They have a baby Yoda. It's actually called The Child. They have (laughs) Olaf from Frozen. They have dogs now. They have all sorts of different things, it looks like. Bears are out, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of dogs, though, one of my favorite booths always brings in therapy dogs. And they let you take pictures with them. And then if you post it to social, they'll make a donation in honor of either an animal shelter, its leader dogs, or... America's vet dogs or something like that. So, I mean, no one's mad about petting a puppy in your booth. No, that one makes me really happy. I love that booth. I'm always like, puppies, like go over and say hi. Yeah, the pancake robot. We'll get to the pancake robot one day. We will do it. For those who don't know what a pancake robot is, since we mentioned it previously, it's a machine. It's basically like a 3D printer, but it's for pancakes. And it like designs, it's like a robot that designs your pancake on the griddle. And then when you pull it off, because it's been layered, it cooks at different speeds. So you have really cool pancakes with designs. Just Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, what Katie said. It's fun food you can eat. So things that you will want to do to avoid some boring sponsorship things, in our opinion, these are the boring sponsorships. Lanyards. If you are the lanyard sponsor, it's your logo. It's really not anything super cool. And people wear it for a day or two. And some people stop wearing it after like the second day of a conference. They're like, oh, I no longer am going to wear this. I feel like the room key is one that if it's done right, could be really cool. But most people just put their logo on it. I feel like if you did a really neat design or something, when you insert the key, it looks a certain way or something. But most hotel keys are the swipe ones versus the insert. Maybe if you like brought me a pizza at midnight or something. Ooh, that's a turn-down service. If your hotel key was redeemable for things, that would be way more fun. Oh, that would be way more fun. I would be down for a pizza at midnight. Like, someone just drop by, have a pizza, I'd be be pretty happy. I just find it really wasteful, because it's something that they're not going to be able to reuse at the hotel. And then it's just going to be thrown away. You're going to use it for two days. But are you going to actually engage with it more than swiping to get in your room? No, it's going to end up in your bag. Not unless it's redeemable for something. Yeah. I'm down for the pizza at midnight. (laughs) All I can think of is dirty things, though, where it's like the insert here. Sarah's like, I can't think of anything clean. (laughs) What else could you do? If you pick disposable swag, you have to understand that, like, it's a sunk cost. You're investing in it for a finite amount of time, and eventually it will end up in the garbage. And those banners, like we said, right when you enter Expo Hall, a lot of people put their logos on banners. Guess what? Someone's going to see it once or twice. They're going to be like, okay, and then continue on with their day. 
that was the only experience you had. So that was, in our opinions, a boring, basic bitch sponsorship. So before we go, just a couple quick tips on how to spice up a potentially boring sponsorship. Tap into the senses and think about what attendees can smell, touch, feel, taste, what they can make or do with their hands, or if they're riding a smoothie bike, what they can do with their feet. I've probably seen sponsorships too, where there's games. So you can probably do games where you have to kick a ball or throw things. When you say do with your feet, now I'm thinking, ooh, if you're a wine vendor, which I don't know why you need to promote wine, but whatever, you could have the tub with the grapes and you're going in there stomping in someone's (laughs) booth. And I was like, that sounds really messy, but also fun. Maybe gross, I don't know, if you want to put your feet wherever other people's feet have been. (laughs) Other people's feet. Also, make it an experience. I feel like that would be an experience, Sarah. Getting in, like, a crate of grapes. So create something that they have to do or make. Creating some FOMO, Katie mentioned this a few times, is making things the center of attention that are really cool or exciting or inviting and make people walk by it, make them look at it and kind of flaunt the really cool things to make people feel like they're missing out on something and have to be part of it. I like something local to your area. So like we talked about Build-A-Bear in St. Louis, like Bourbon and Kentucky, something like that. Try to relate it to your hometown. At least it has a purpose. And give people something cool they can take home with them or put on their desk or share with their family. I feel like people want mementos, but cool mementos and something that means something to them. That won't go immediately in the trash. Build-A-Bear is a perfect example for that. How excited is their kid going to be when they bring home something for them when they've been gone at at an event for a couple of days? If you're looking for more event items, whether they're virtual or in-person, we do have some other episodes that outline some highlights, ideas, and takeaways. In episode two, we talk about B2B marketer takeaways from attending a B2C conference. If you liked our Create and Cultivate examples, That's a really good episode to listen to because it's all about create and cultivate. Episode three, we talk about trade show booths. So we talk about how to stand out and make a splash. We really dive deep into some of the trade show booth ideas that we've brought to life and how we did it. And then if you're looking to dive into virtual events, we have two episodes, episode 16 and episode 20, where we talk about how to pivot your in-person event and then also how to communicate value and sell that value to your sponsors to get more revenue for your event. So check out those if you haven't already and if you're looking to hear more on events. I think that's all we got for you today. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Drunken Marketing. Tell us what your favorite event sponsor experience is that you've ever had. We'd love to hear from you. Cheers. 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 Thank you for listening to Drunken Marketing. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the ridiculously hilarious and real marketing experiences from the Wine and Whiteboards team. If you haven't checked out our full-length episodes, pour yourself a glass of your favorite vino and join us. We share marketing tips and design tips on everything from content marketing to website redesign and so much more. Wondering how you can support the show? If you love our podcast, leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe. Share it with your friends, family, enemies, or whoever else you think would enjoy the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. We're always looking for new listeners to add to our wolf pack. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God.